It's always about the fans. It's always about the fans. I know uh, my team will always say, anytime I do a record, what I say is, oh, this line, South Nation are going to love you. You're going to love this line. This is something I was I was born to do, and I was going to do it regardless. So I'm probably one of the only rappers in Africa that can do Afrobeat and come back and do hip-hop and still get away with it. Most Most rappers are not able to do that. There's a kid here in Ghana called Black Sharif. I need to put you on. Just drive from this I mean, interview. I, I, you need to oh, go whoa, check him whoa, out. whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying I need to know about him. Is this the oh, cool moment? Yo, I'm DJ Semsex. This is the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast. Right now, I'm, I'm joined with one of the most distinguished, one of the most regal rappers out of the African continent, goes by the name of Sarkodi. Yo, what's going on, man? Brother, thank you so much. Finally, we meet again. All right. Have I got the pronunciation right? Because I've been known to get it wrong. Sarkodi, yeah. Sarkodi, yeah? <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, you're very okay. close. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, listen, we connected when you was in the UK recently, and I just wanted to catch up with you to, like, get the real lowdown on exactly, like, how you managed to get to the position where you are because you're you're one of the most prominent names you know in 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 africa and the world you know hip-hop is from the us but it it is is so big now and it's so different in the sense that it doesn't matter where you're from what country what continent everyone's popping right now it's like it's an amazing time to be a rapper so it's like yeah first of all like how, how did you get into rap um, growing up, I had a quite, I don't know if the right word is like a dark uh, upbringing. I had a, a sudden era where I was going through some stuff. So I just had to, and I'm a, I'm an artist in general. I, I draw, I sketch and all of that. So I just needed, needed a, a channel, you know, to, you know, let out my emotions or what I was feeling at the time. And then. I heard rap music around that time and I fell in love with it, you know. So I was listening to it until um, I heard some of my legends here in Ghana started rapping in our native language. Mm. Then that made it like perfect for me. I was like, okay, so I can do rap, but I don't have to necessarily rap in um, English language. I could do it in my own. So that is when I fell in love. I was taking it as a craft. Mm. When when you said you was going through some like dark things, like, what what was that like? Was that was that was that a situation where you needed some kind of escape from it, or was it just something you needed the distraction from it? Yeah. So um, my mom and my dad uh, they divorced at an early age, and then I had to be in between that. So uh, we have four siblings, so in all we have five, and um, my mom had to stay with the four, and I had to stay with dad. Right. So when he took me, he took me to live with somebody else and it wasn't too much of a good experience most african children go through that you know uh it's, it's the past I, I hate to dwell on it to go into details as to what happened because you know people are still alive and i don't want him to feel any type of way but you know dark times for kids you can imagine what that was so that kind of like made me a very um laid-back type of person and watch life from a distance and just be able to sit down and relax and look at life so even when I was very young, I was very deep, you know, 
mentally because I, mm. I observe a lot. So I was just, it, it started with me writing what I felt, right? It was like in a diary, what happens in a day, what I want, what I want to see. I want to see my mom, I want to see my sisters, I want to see my brother. And then, um, yes, I heard rap music. I heard being made in Ghana, Reggie Rackstone or Bradford, Lord Kenya, or Kwade. Kwade. These are like great legends who were doing it at the time. And they inspired me to start writing. So I think mine was, I was supposed to do it because most young people start rapping because their peers are rapping and they want to learn yeah. how to rap. I had nobody around me who was rapping, you know. So I was literally the first person to start rapping in my age group and my peers. So um, if I if I go back to see that story, I get to understand that this is something I was I was born to do. And I was going to do it regardless. So, yes, it just started from there. That's crazy. So it's like you were writing, but then you were writing, writing. It's like it exactly. evolved. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, so my, my mom my mom was, uh, so we lived in Tema, and then it took me to Accra. So Tema and Accra now, it doesn't feel like a, a long distance because we, we do it like because I'm grown now, so I don't see it like that. But as a young child, that's like, you traveling to like a long place, right? Mm. So um, I was just writing stuff. I seen where my mom was, if I could see her, what I would tell her. So it wasn't rap, it wasn't music. It was just thoughts and what I was feeling. Then mm. I heard rap music. So then I started write, writing what I felt mm. into music. What, yeah. what was what was the first like American rap that you heard that, that hit you? Like, so you're going through this stuff and you're writing down things that you're experiencing. Was it just rappers from Ghana that you was hearing or was it rappers from America or the UK as well? Yeah, so before Ghana, I was listening to Park, Biggie, Jay-Z, um, M. I loved Obi Trice. What did you love about Obi Trice? I don't know, it's just his delivery, his voice was just dope. And the stuff he was talking about, very like, stuff that regular people wouldn't speak about. You know, he's very comic. He's like, he's almost like M. That's probably why him and M like click because I'm a very, when I write, I see it. So I like listening to people when they are rapping, I can imagine what they're, they're talking about. Visually, I can see it with my eyes. And that's what um, Obi had. And Obi is, is very dope. All jokes aside, he's, he's sick. He's, he's a serious rapper. I don't know where he is now, but that was like definitely one of my best rappers who inspired me to start writing he had a crazy story as well like before eminem discovered him he was homeless and everything he was like he wasn't he didn't have the best um situation you know um it's crazy but he's he's wow. yeah i picked up on that because very very underrated you know a lot yes. of people you know it's dope he's very dope obi's dope yes what was it you got from tupac what was it that resonated with you um, emotions. I think he was able to touch on your emotions with what he was talking about. He was able to speak some uh, some real issues from the heart. You can feel it. Um, and I always believe that music music is the language. It's not even your native tongue. It's just music itself is the language. So when people put emotions into it, you can relate. And um, yes, Park, that's what I picked from him. I picked different stuff from different artists. For him, I think it was basically him being able to... I think what he does is he write everything he feels. Because sometimes with me, I, I do a lot, of, a lot with delivery, right? So delivery can limit you as to what you're supposed to write because there are certain words that wouldn't land on the kick well. So you might take it out, even if it makes sense. But him, he can say everything as how he feels it and then he can pour it out like that on the beat. And that's what I loved about him, yes. 
Yeah. It's, it's dope. I think Tupac, Biggie and Jay-Z, they come from an era where it was clarity above everything else. There's a lot of rap. Yeah. It's out right now. You kind of got to listen to it a few <laughs> times to decode it. You know what I mean? But it's like, they, 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 the clarity, you could hear every single word of what they're saying. Yes. That's why people still yeah. recite their music to this day. It's crazy. True. True. They know how to get to the heart. That's what I love about them. Your boss. Jay-Z's a boss. Was yeah. that what drew you to Jay-Z? Was it was it that from like early on? Yes. Um, so all the rappers I mentioned, I picked different things from them. Jay, yes, because of aside rap, I love his rap and the stuff he talks about. But I think I related with him because when I came in the game, I was saying stuff that me and my, myself and my friends and some few people could understand. I didn't really care about the masses. I had issues having a record deal. Um, still doesn't, I still don't have one. So um, what I stood for was beats that wasn't too commercial. I was saying stuff that was not on the radio. I was I was, I was drawn to beats with no horns or maybe just kick and bass. Like it's, I didn't care about the radio. I wasn't listening to the radio. I just love what I love. And it took me a minute. I never got a producer until I started going viral. So uh, when I look at Jay, I can see that as well. I see what he knows his strength. He knows that there are people who are numbers people. They can do records. They can do huge numbers with their streams and all of that. But people don't really, really care about them, you know. But we have people who don't have necessarily. You might not see in the stream, mm. but people live their life wanting to be like them. And that's to me personally. If I look at my brand from far, that's what I see. And even before I, I kind of like zoning into Jay, I stood for that. So when I read about Jay and I started following him, I was like. This is this is how I think. Literally, I don't I don't think he stands for something that I don't believe in. It's weird. It's very weird. Like everything, his ideologies is basically me. So yeah. Mm. So I used to work at Def Jam in the UK, um, mm. in the noughties, and when Jay Z was like president of Def Jam, like he came in for a meeting with the label, and you know I, I'd already met him before in in a DJ capacity, like interviewing and everything, but. It was really fascinating to be in a meeting with him where he was like a label boss that that <laughs> week. You know? And um so part of me is like, yo, I'm in a meeting with Jay-Z, you know, like kind of gas. <laughs> and then part of me is trying to be hold it down, like, yeah, well, Jay, you know, we should do this or da, 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 you know what I mean? It's like and then yeah. and then and then the fascinating thing is it's like, so he's there talking about music and I'm looking at him. And I used to always think like I'm doing too much. I'm working at a label. I'm DJing, doing radio. You know, and you know, there was a time, believe it or not, where people frowned on you for being successful and having X amount. Of, you see, you you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to see you be too successful. They want you to win True. a little bit. They don't but want not you to exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I was always conscious of that. I was always like, you know, I'd get booked to DJ overseas. I wouldn't tell anyone because I didn't want people mm. feeling, you know. And then, um, but I'm in this meeting with Jay-Z and I'm looking at him and I'm like, he, he, he was in that meeting as a label president. He was there to promote his film, Fate to Black. He was pushing the Black album. He's pushing the clothing <laughs> line at Selfridges. He had his alcohol... I was like, I'm not doing enough. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
have, have you ever have you ever experienced that yourself? Was was there a point where you know you, you start rapping and you're like, this is bigger than rap. I need to be, you know, I need to think bigger. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, I think it took me time to realize that. I realized my impact uh, on the people, and I think as a person, I like to see a different, like an upgrade of myself. The more I go, so my high keeps changing. You know, when I started, my high was the fact that I could give freestyle to people and just watch the reaction on the street. Uh, that was one. My high became going on a battle and winning. My high went to having a single on the radio. Now I had to perform on big stages. Now I go to awards, shooting good videos, doing collaborations. At a certain point, that doesn't feed you no more. Like it doesn't, it doesn't give you that high. You know, you're not super excited because you have the biggest song in Ghana. It doesn't really change anything. So that's when as a person, if you're somebody who challenges yourself, you want to do a whole lot. So yes, I, I, I definitely feel that, you know, I'm multitasking now that even my manager is trying to like calm me down. He's like, listen, I miss, I miss, I miss you being just an artist. I don't want you to like, you know, when he see me suited up, if I have my suit on, he knows there's a problem. There's some meetings I'm having that uh, it takes my mind off writing. Right. But right. I think just I'm, as a person, I want to, I want to be better. I want to be able to do great things. Um, if I feel it and I, I really trust my instincts, Anytime that I feel like I'm supposed to do something, I'm all right. So mm. uh, at a certain point, if I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, yes, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, if I have to be behind the scenes to do stuff, that's what I'm going to do. So yes, I think it's worth it if you multitask. You've had a lot of success and and what you mean in Ghana and on the African continent. What or who is it that inspires you to level up? Who is it that, like you said, all right, you've done that goal, you've had that goal, You've achieved that goal. Next, like, what what is it that drives you to keep going further? Because you know you you're successful. You, you you've made money. You're making moves and everything. There's a point where you don't really need to go as hard. You know what I mean? But what is it that keeps you going? So, um, as I said, every stage and what I feel and what I see that moves me. So. One thing I can say for sure is the fans. I have cult following, which is like crazy. Most artists would 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 pay anything to have that, and that's a blessing that I have. Big up to Sac Nation. But these guys make me not think about retiring soon because they still don't want to see me as somebody. There's nothing they're gonna accept if I don't drop music. It's not gonna work. They want me to drop music. So um, yes, they definitely keep me going. And um, in Africa, I think. Taking it to the next level, I think all African artists should take their hats off to Debanj. Mm-hmm. I, I always say it. I think Debanj did incredibly well in our era. He he kind of like broke that, I don't know the right word. We used to see that as fantasy. It's not possible to even get next to Beyonce or do a record with uh, Wayne or whoever. Mm-hmm. You know, like we used to think it's not it's never going to happen. You know, we have to be just fans and just do music to our African people. And that's it. And he kind of like broke that thing and now made us feel like, yeah, we could go harder. Now, when you're doing a record, you know, it's possible that you might have a Kendrick verse. So now the whole Afrobeat is like invading, but I think I can take my hats off to him. He was a big influence. Um, but I think the more there's the fans, the fans push me to do more for myself. Sometimes you want to do other stuff, like get into some, business which has nothing to do with uh, entertainment but if you come on on the socials and you see the comments and even because my fans are different they have they literally have associations and they have meetings 
Mm. So really? they report and they tell you, yeah, they, they report to you and tell you this is what they want. Bro, these guys, <laughs> I think, what's today? Today's Saturday. They probably haven't yeah. won today. It's Saturday. Wow. They sit, they discuss on what you're supposed to do. Now they have a clubhouse. They have conversations. What's the next for Sakode? Are we pushing this record? Um, Sakode has to do a, a feature with this. Sakode has to do an interview with Syntex and all this. When you tweet, you can. You, I, I can. I can imagine you oh, see them, right? Yo, yo. So you you came you came on my show, right? Yeah. Amazing response. May, socials went up, right? The week later, yeah. it's like you were still on the show. The week after that, <laughs> it was like you were still in the studio. Yo, yes. six weeks later, I'm still, I'm still, you're, you're fat. <laughs> Yo, when, all right, when did you come on my show? How long, is it a few months now? Is it a couple of months? Uh, however yeah. long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last night, I was getting tweets. Play suck, play no pressure, <laughs> like everything else. Yo, you, okay, you got so crazy. Okay, so you see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. So they, they are really hands-on with what I do. So even when I want to slow down, they're not going to allow that to happen. So I think that's what keeps me going. And they... They push me to see the next level of Sakodia. So that's at this point, that's what I can say is the fans. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. What is it they relate to with regards to yourself? Like, what is it that gives them that connection with yourself and your artistry? Because I, I I haven't... The only other artist that I've seen with that kind of fan base is Wizkid. Like, I haven't seen that yes. with anyone else. US or UK. <laughs> yeah so um funny now that's the story you know Wiz when Wiz was coming up you know he used to come to Ghana a lot and there was a day that um he had a show and I wanted us to record a song so I went to pick him up from soundcheck and we were driving and we're in the car and I remember him telling me yo your fans are crazy like I have no idea like every artist should get this I don't know how you do it, but your fans are crazy. And at that point, because that's the only way I came out, right? I came out through the internet and by posting songs on Facebook. So I thought that was just regular, right? You just mm. have people who love your music. But I didn't know that most artists didn't have that. Mm. But I think it's because I started my career with them and they saw the process. They, they saw when I used to battle uh, on the radio, I was winning. The first time I had a chance to perform on certain stages, the first time my song was played on the radio, they knew the story. Mm-hmm. So it built to now. So they are more attached. They are almost they are almost zoned in as you are as the artist. Because I feel like, honestly, any award for Sarkodie, a Sarkodie fan, typical Sarkodie fan, feels like it's for them. Wow. So they take That's it dope. very personal. These guys used to call offices. They called the BET and asked them, where is Sark? Did he get in safe? Where is he sleeping? Has he eaten? Uh, you guys make sure he wins the award. 
and don't don't try to give it to anybody else. These guys called Akon, questioning him about my deal. Like, bro, wow, they they are, they are really involved in my career. And I think personally, I think my life, most most of my fans kind of like relate to how I am. The same way I love Jay, I see myself in mm. him. I see, I see how I think in him. That's what I see with the fan base that follow me. Their mm. uh, ideologies and their whole idea about life is what I stand for, probably, mm. and that's why they can relate. Yes, that's crazy. That's crazy. So. Recently, you dropped the album No Pressure, and yes. you know it's, it's it's one of your biggest projects. You've made connections with other artists in other continents, other territories. Like when you're making an album, do you does that fan, let's call it fan love, does it does it does it come into the album making process? You like you know what I know if I do this, they're gonna love this. Like, or is it yes. is it all for yourself? No, it's always about the fans. It's always about the fans. I know uh, my, my team will always say, anytime I do a record, what I say is, oh, this line, Sock Nation are going to love it. They're going to love this line, right? Because um, I see reaction and I see them do videos with the songs and I see them tweet. So I know what they want. Um, so I surprise them, obviously. I, I have to grow and then they have to catch up sometimes. But I know that I do it to impress them, to make them, be proud because mm. my writing process, especially now, is more about what Sack Nation would say. Uh, what are they going to say? What are they going to think about this? You know, So it plays a major role in, in my inspiration when I have to write now. Mm. I love the vibration track. Um, Spinner was on my show earlier this week. He played it in the mix as well. Like, How did mm. that come about? So um, Vic, I knew, I kind of like realized he was from Ghana. That's Vic, probably Vic around Mensa. the time. That's yes, Vic, Vic Mensa. Mensa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he he has roots here in Ghana. So I saw pictures of him way back that he used to come to Ghana. I was like, "That's Vic Mensa in Ghana. What's he doing here?" Then I mm. kind of like did my research and realized that he was part Ghanaian. So um, I don't know how we started, but I think I reached out to him, and I think he had a, an interview with Ebro. And they asked him a couple artists that he's listening to, and I heard my name in there, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's great," you know, because I love his I love his music as well. So when he was coming to Ghana this time, I was having a writing camp, so it was a perfect time. When he came in, uh, we had a producer there. He dropped like two beats. The first beat we heard that was that was vibration. We didn't even have to listen to a lot of music, you know. We just realized that was it, and then we did. It. Yeah, Vix, Vic's a very very prolific artist like he yes he can do any style he can rap he can sing and everything else very very versatile but it's it's dope that you guys connected it's dope like you know you're in ghana you got vic mensas from chicago he's, he's yeah ghanaian heritage it's dope that culturally you guys are reunited like that's 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 a beautiful thing man it's like it'd be good if we yes. see more of that right Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to see that. And I think that's what's happening now. You know, people are really connecting back home and uh, big shouts to Wale. He's been doing that for a minute. I think Wale, Akon, these people kind of like reach out back even way before Afrobeat uh, kind of like invaded. These guys were still looking out. You know, they didn't wait for the invasion. You know, they, mm -hmm. they kind of like didn't shy away from just accepting that I'm from I'm from Senegal or Ghana or uh nigeria you know so yeah big shout out to them how did you hook up with gigs on the joint round two same thing gigs um 
as I always say, when it comes to the UK, I'm still stuck, stuck in time. I, I only listen to gigs. That's the rapper that I know. Uh, and I think it's because I, you know, my power is delivery. So gigs has this delivery that is like impeccable. I've not heard anything like that before. I don't know who can even say a word that can stand for a whole line. Like how, who does that? Mm. You know, mm. it's crazy. Just breaking the rules and just making some crazy cadence that nobody ever thought of. And so from way back, talking the hardest, that's like, I did, I did a freestyle on that beat as well, you know, as soon as I heard gigs. So I've been like a fan for ages. Then we had um, a mutual friend, Big Shouts to Akosia. So she kind of like made the link up and told gigs that I'm super interested. But I think if you go back to listen to all my interviews, I've, so, I've always been talking about gigs. So it was only right. And I think he saw me listening to his recent projects. And uh, yeah, we linked up social media. Then uh, we went to the studio. So the reason why the song is round two, because we had one, the first song that we did, but I think that song wasn't, the, the, it was dope, but it wasn't what people would expect if, honestly, that was, that was also dope though, but it was kind of <laughs> like too calm. Right, <laughs> it's right, hard, right, the beat is right. hard, but it's calm. Yeah. But I, what I realized was we were trying to like, gigs, I also see myself in gigs a little bit. He's more, he's very real. He deals with energy and that's what I do as well. Mm. I don't really, I'm not into the clout thing and trying to like get people because I think I can get this out of them. You know, I like natural mm. stuff. So uh, gigs, I, I saw that's the type of person he was. So he wanted to meet so that we can just vibe with the energy. But then when two artists meet and they don't meet in a cafe and they choose to meet in the studio, music has to happen. So yeah, 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 yes, yeah. we did the music. And then um, after we listened to the music for a while, I think he was the one to like break the ice and go like, bro, I think this is not the one. And I'm like, yes, I was thinking, <laughs> but let's get, let's get in the studio for the next one. So then I came back and then we did the next one. That's why it was named round two. And we just right. left it like that. Right, right, yeah. right, right. That's dope. So were you part of this body of work? Your approach, is it like the world is going to hear this no matter what? Or are you like, we put it out, we work it, it does what it does, next? Um, I have certain songs that I feel like, yeah, the world has to hear this, this has to go everywhere. But I try to just make the music for the people that were appreciated and um, try to do put some things in place just in case it can, it can move further. Mm. I'm not going to rule out that it, you can't limit music. You never know where music is going to get you to. So... Uh, and I think my song Adonai kind of like taught me a lesson that you can't put limitations on your music as much as you think this is going to suit a certain type of people you never know so uh, what I do is I leave the rest for the team to like put structures in place just in case mm. these these songs can get to the next level but I think every artist looks at the immediate um, customers that you appeal to so mm. that's what I do. I know the people that are going to listen to it, um, probably to have some new people. But I think over the years, I did this for over 10 years to be able to grab the attention of a lot of people. And I believe in process and pace. So, um, yes, my, my idea is that I'm going to give it to the people that are going to appreciate it. And that's the Sock Nation, the fan base and all of that. Anything else is like a plus for me. Mm. I was speaking to um, a very dope UK rap legend this week. And we were tracing, you know, the UK UK rap is clear. Like now it's like mainstream music now. It's like, it's the dominant sound in the yeah. UK right now. And it's getting bigger by the day, right? So mm. we was talking and I was tracing it back to why it changed all of a sudden. And we, we kind of realized it wasn't 
it wasn't down to DJs or radio DJs. It wasn't down to one specific thing other than the internet and how it's evolved, like the, the concepts mm. of streaming. And it's not one particular streaming platform. I just think the advent of streaming really benefited UK rap because for years, mm. labels were like, oh, it's never going to sell. The fans only Yeah, you, you can't stuff. control it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's like you can't escape the, the, the you know, exactly. the metrics. The metrics say what it is, you know. So with that being said, is that the same for yourself and for African rap? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I can relate to that because I came through social media. Mainstream radio in Ghana wasn't ready to play any of my records because um, it didn't make sense. You were just rapping on some beats that they, they didn't term as commercial. And at that point, when I was coming, was the toughest time because it was dominated by High Life. High Life is like um, our authentic Ghanaian mm. sound, right? So, and it's super commercial here in Ghana. When you do that, people are going to love it. And I was a rapper, so I was coming in hard doing hip-hop beats. But as you said, because I had an avenue to like get get directly to the people so that the masses can choose what they want to listen to. Because you can't you can say people don't want this until you give it to them. And as you said, because it was controlled, the people were, were used to listening to what was presented to them. And then the internet came in and people like myself and all these new artists started putting out music and people had alternative. And you got to realize that even old people can listen to rap. So yes, um, yes, that's the same thing that I did when I was coming. So I can see that Afrobeat and everything else dominating now because of the internet, mm. you, you you can't really control it. You know, people have choices. They will go and see the Wizkid sold out show. They're not going to wait to see it on TV. They can go on YouTube and watch. So they're going to see what's happening. The invasion is, is there. And now everybody is literally on their phone. So information is there mm. and the, the stats are there. People can check. So, yes, it's a mm. good time for artists and all other genres, which, which has been hidden for a while. This is the right time that you guys can invade. With that being said, that creates an even bigger demand for the music. Is that... Is that a good thing? Like, do, do you feel the pressure where, like, you know, so you put out no pressure? Yeah, where's, where's the next one? What's next? What's happening? Like, do, do, you, do you feel like you, you have to have the next thing lined up for, like, January 2022? Or are you just like, I'm just going to do my own pace? Nah, I think we have different type of artists. You just, have, you just have to know what your strength is and just hit on that. You know, we have artists that really have to have like number one singles have huge records which is great um if you know your strength you know how to milk it right because i was doing analysis with even numbers even on youtube when i watch jay's videos and see the youtube numbers and i watch maybe like amigos hmm. and i look at their numbers and you know it's, it's crazy because amigos are making like serious i don't know if they go to a billion or something like these guys yeah, are making yeah. some serious numbers right but then it's hard to talk about people like that, but just to make, you know, just to compare these two people. So now Jay-Z knows his strength. Mm. Migos know their strength. So if you know your strength and this is where your strength lies, you're making big records for the people. Um, yes, you need to go for that. That's what you're good at or mm. that's your power. My power is a bit different. I think I affect people personally. So it's, it's a gradual process, but when I grab you, that's it. You get soaked mm. into it. You get soaked into the world. So when I'm doing a show, it's, People who connect to my music, they come there. And um, when it has to do with business, if you know this is your strength, now when you do merch, it goes quicker. When you uh, want to sell something, when you want to use it to sell something, it goes quicker. Uh, people who have big records cannot be able to do that. So I think it's just where you stand. 
But I think it all we all come together to make it work. So I'm all up for it. Uh, but myself, I really don't put too much pressure on myself. I just do music for what it's worth. Sometimes um, I try to cheat the system because I'm probably one of the only rappers in Africa that can do Afrobeat and come back and do hip hop and still get away with it. Most most rappers are not able to do that. So I, I get into the David Wears, Bernard World and come back quick and just come and mess with gigs and go back again, you know. But I know that my, my strength is not and where David and Wears and Bernard are, you know, because they're really doing super commercial records on a daily. Yeah. I am not. So I know where my strength is. And it's not bad. Everybody has their crowd and that's it. So yeah. it depends on where you stand. But personally, no pressure. It's about process and pace, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in, hold on. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> and we agree on some things, but not on everything. Hi. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you will instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. Okay. Certified Liver Boy or Thunder, which one? Honestly, I've not listened to it like all the way, but I think I'll always go with Kanye. It's hard. Drake Drake does a lot of great music that I listen to. Mm. Kanye, I like where his mind is as a person. So creatively, I think I like, I, I would, yes, I would go for Thunder. Yeah, I, bro, I'm the same, man unapologetically <laughs> <laughs> I like Drake I'm a Drake fan yeah. Drake's my guy um Same. I see you know I see the whole internet like you know CLB is it, but I'm like yo I love what Kanye I'm a yay stan man like I love the Donald <laughs> album like I'm not gonna lie yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. On that. I love it like, so the that. reason why the reason why I'm saying I love it because obviously that's what I listen to I'm yet mm. to like listen fully to uh, CLB like all out. I haven't soaked yeah. it in, but I know no matter what I listen to, I'm, I'm very like, I'm super one way when it has to come with sound sometimes, you know, I can mm. be stuck. I told you I'm still stuck on gigs. I'm, I've not yeah, moved past yeah. that. So yeah. it's going to be hard for me to like compare anything to like Kanye. Yeah. 
I mean, he, like, I mean, I just think he's the greatest. Like, he's, and I know yes. there's conflicting things with what he said in person, the politics and everything else and all of that. I know as a rapper, he ain't as sharp as what he was 10 albums ago. Yeah. 10 albums ago. You know what I mean? He's he's the more yes. in his career. Which is only right. Yeah. So, but, but with Donda as a body of work, the way that he's put it together, the way that he's managed to get the best performances out of, you know, five-year-old phone or Dirk or Baby Keem and the, the way that he's worked mm. with The Weeknd and the Hurricane Joint. It's musical excellence. That's, it's bigger than an album. It's, it's, it's a, he's it, a genius. You can't, yeah, you can't compare the two. Like, you can't compare CLB. <laughs> you, you can't. You can't. I'm just... <laughs> You're talking about somebody who, who is behind some of the greatest works for other artists. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So such a person... Yeah. It's it's hard to like match him. It's it's gonna be hard. Yeah, I, and I think, I think all these people who are like, yeah, CLB, you know they're gonna retract that in five years time. You know they're gonna be like, <laughs> no, nah, don't just me, man. Don't, yeah, 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 you know yeah, 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 yeah. It's like give it's, them time. Just give them yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Which, which which other artists are you feeling like? Who who's who's resonating with you right now? Um. There's a kid here in Ghana called Black Sharif. Okay. I need to put you on. Just right from this I mean, interview. I mean, I, you need to oh, go whoa, check whoa, him whoa, out. whoa, whoa. You're saying I need to know about him. Is this the oh, you know. moment? No, I'm saying, are you telling me, Semtex, you need to know? No, you like, have to. Okay. Yeah, bro. Right. Say no more. His name is Black Sharif. Trust okay. me, you're going to call me back and just give me my props and tell me, listen, bro, you said it. The kid is crazy out of this world. Right. You know, it was it was a video. I think he was doing his video shoot, and I saw a short clip of him just performing the song. I didn't hear the music, but I, when I saw the passion he was using, right after that, I think he released the record, and that was it. Now he has two records out. That's like probably the biggest songs in Ghana now. Mm. You know, and he's he's super dope. But he cuts across the sound can can relate. You can you can relate. It's not you don't have to understand it. You, you're gonna get it. Mm. The vibe is just crazy. Mm. Yeah, so definitely Black Sheriff is one person that I really. I'm I mean, say, say, say no more. Like, the next time we speak, mm. yo, suck. You'll be giving me the lyrics, yeah? yeah? Yo, you put me on, bro. Like, <laughs> thank you. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, when, yeah. I, when I eventually speak to Black Sharif, when I start playing his music, mm -hmm. I'll be like, yo, suck, you know, suck, put me on. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. say no more, man. Say no more. I'm yes. so straight. straight. Yes. Well, he's that guy, yes. right? Bro. Bro. Listen, for me, it's hard for me to like, I do co-sign a lot of artists, um, but him, I think he has what is going to take him on the, beyond the shores of um, Ghana. Even Bernard was listening to him on, on live a couple of days ago. You know, right. I think Bernard called him or something. So that's, I saw that. I knew it was going to like go beyond Ghana. The sound is great. It's mm -hmm. great. His energy, you know, he's very hungry, very passionate. So I went to Nigeria. He was all over the radio. But that's definitely an artist that I really know that's going to take Ghana somewhere. So yes, Black Sherry, Big, Big Shouts, Blacko, my boy. Okay, say no more. Well, listen, Sark, man, I appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Um, it's always dope to connect, always dope to talk. Yeah. And anytime you're in the UK, you know, you got to connect, innit? Thank even, you so much, brother. Even if it's just for five minutes outside a restaurant. Yes, we have to. <laughs>
I appreciate, bro, for you, uh, for the love showing me, uh, taking time to even come see me while I was there, giving me an opportunity on the radio, even what's happening now. I think it's super organic, and I really do appreciate. Thank you so, so much, brother.